You're listening to the Ohio Conference Cast, where we explore topics related to the workings of Ohio Conference. Here are your hosts, Bill Seymour and Thomas Dunn. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ohio Conference Cast. This is Thomas, and I'm with Bill. And in the room with us, we have Carlos Romero and Darren Snyder Belusic. And Bill, why do we have people with us? Well, because we do a podcast, and to do a podcast, we need people to podcast. We could try on our own. Yeah, we tried that once. Yeah. Nobody listened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Darren Snyder-Belusic and Aaron Dye and I are part of a committee called the Voice Committee for Ohio Conference, tasked by leadership team to facilitate conversation with agencies in the wider church, so MCUSA. We can, we can give Ann Lehman a little work and say, there will be a link to a former podcast about the voice in our write-up. There we go. Thanks, Ann. Thanks, Ann. <laughs> Part of our work uh, was contacting Mennonite Education Agency, led by Carlos Romero, because one of our congregations in Ohio Conference had a question. Darren, what was that question in a nutshell? Folks at Tedro Mennonite were uh, having conversation within their congregation, and one of the questions or concerns that came out of that, their congregational conversation, was sort of a twofold question. One uh, was they were wondering what Mennonite colleges and seminaries were teaching and how the confession of faith in a Mennonite perspective played a role in that. And then also how Mennonite Education Agency was overseeing the colleges and seminaries. And again, what role the confession of faith in a Mennonite perspective played in their oversight. That brings us to Carlos. Carlos, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, and um, in that introduction, you can maybe explain why that brings you to the table. It's a pleasure to be with all of you here this afternoon, my name is Carlos Romero, and I serve as Executive Director for the Mennonite Education Agency. It's a role I've been for the last uh, 16 years. I live in Goshen, Indiana, and my family uh, attend Waterford Mennonite Church in Goshen. I'm here this afternoon responding to an invitation from Ohio Conference and this committee to have some conversations about men like higher education and their relationship to the church and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is being held in the library slash counseling room and art center of the Salem Mennonite Church in Elida. I thought um, it was Salem Mennonite C. C? A and B are in Wayne County, right? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Paula is right outside, so we'll, we'll give her a shout out. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're here because we just all had lunch together and had a very pleasant conversation, and we learned lots of things. And so we thought we'd drag Carlos back to the church and make him do a podcast. So we appreciate your willingness to do that. So, Carlos, you, you heard uh, Darren, and you, you've seen some of those, those questions before. You could probably take the next 20 minutes responding to them, but why don't you take a stab at, at an overview? There were two questions there, Darren, so why don't you throw one at Carlos and he can... Uh, well, let's, uh, we can just go with the question that pertains to, to Carlos's job, and that's the relationship between the Mennonite Education Agency and the colleges and seminaries and what role the confession of faith plays in the accountability between the colleges and seminaries and the wider church by way of MEA. First of all, I think that it's important to just state the Mennonite Education Agency is the agency that the denomination has created to be the primary connector between the schools and the church. That's a role that we have played. I think that it's also important to understand with the context of this relationship is that we have six institutions of higher education, AMBS, Bluffton University, Bessel College, Heston College, Eastern Mennonite University, and Goshen College. 
Those represent former general conference church and also former Mennonite church. And both of those denominations had very different ways that they related to their institutions. So when MEA was created, it was sort of a hybrid, a political compromise of trying to find a way to move forward. And I say that because that impacts the way that MEA has related to to the institutions over time. So there are some governance responsibilities that MEA has for some of the schools. And in for some of the schools, it's been more a relationship that is based on consultation and conversations as a way to move forward. MEA understands a document like the Confession of Faith and other primary documents of the denomination that it is our responsibility as an agency of the church to hold those documents in trust in the work that we do. So they are central to the work that we do and have been part of significant conversations with the schools at different times. We're also aware that we have not been a denomination of creeds necessarily mm-hmm. uh, over time. And the Confession of Faith serves as a guide on the work that we do uh, as well. So, Carlos, thank you for giving us that kind of general overview of what MEA or Mennonite Education Agency is. I mean, it sounds like because of the the sort of differing understandings of how things are governed and the structures of that from the two denominations that formed MCUSA, that it may make it difficult for MEA to understand what their role is in oversight, particularly with regard to something like the Confession of Faith. I think that that's a very accurate statement. As I said, there are six institutions, and we have six documents. We call them Statement of Arrangements or SOAs, which are the documents that outline the particular relationship of that institution with MEA and the church. And as I said, we have six institutions, and we have six different documents. So so you mean each institution has their own SOA with MEA? That's correct. Okay. Each institution has their own SOA, and that SOA describes the nature of that relationship. So in some settings, MEA is very involved, and that includes the appointment of the president on based on the recommendation of the board of that institution. And in other settings, it involves simply consultation and being part of a process, but not having that authority of appointment. That's well, that, one example. That doesn't sound complicated at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My goodness. But you showed us today a document that seeks to bring more clarity. That's correct. MEA, about seven months ago, appointed a task force that included representatives from the colleges, the seminaries, and also representatives from the church, kind of church-wide representative, several persons from the executive board representing, and people from the MEA board as well. And the purpose of that was to work at developing a proposal of a new vision that would govern the relationship between the schools and the church that would fit our present context that we're living in uh, with all the challenges that we have in the church, with all the challenges that we have in our society and in our culture. And that committee has put forth actually a proposal. They had a draft last fall that was shared with the schools as well as with the executive board. And there was a feedback to that. That feedback was incorporated. And we now have a final proposal 
that has been received by the schools and MEA as well as the executive board. At this point, Goshen College, Bluffton University, Eastern Mennonite University, and Heston College have approved this proposal. MEA as well as well as the executive board uh, were still working with Bethel College and AMBS in moving forward this proposal. But the idea is to have a relationship between the schools and the church that focuses on the area of identity, Anabaptist identity, and what are the key elements that we feel should be in place in order to maintain that that distinctive identity in our school. So the idea is not to have an individual statement of arrangements for each school, but to have one that would fit kind of everybody to make things maybe a little more clear, a little more simple. Yes, that's correct. The goal has been to have one statement of arrangements that present the basic principles on how that relationship should be. At the same time, it's fair to say that individual schools, if they want additional things in that relationship, those can be worked out individually with MEA, but the foundation will be the same across the board. And one of the questions that uh, emerged from our interaction with Tedro was, was around this question of specifically how the confession of faith figures into that relationship between MEA and the colleges, as well as how the confession of faith factors into what the colleges are teaching. So I wonder if you could speak to how this new document that's in process, how that addresses those questions. Yes, uh, this document tries to provide the foundation for that conversation in that relationship for now and the future. So as part of this document, I'm going to read just a couple sentences that perhaps better answer that question than what I can say. But this, this is what the document says, that the school agrees that the Bible, when interpreted through the lens of Jesus' life, teachings, death, and resurrection, is the foundational authority for guiding their educational mission. Discerning the Bible's meaning for different contexts and times requires prayerfully skilled and humble work. The confession of faith in a Mennonite perspective and Mennonite World Conference share convictions, offer community-discerned faith statements for particular times and contexts. These, along with other historic Mennonite confessions, provide rich layers of scriptural, practical, and moral wisdom. The school agrees that these confessional documents are valuable for framing, teaching, and learning, and commits to using them as guide for educational formation. The school also commits to examine how well-time-bound confessions and convictions express the Word of God revealing the Scriptures and to actively listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. That's just one part. You know, it, it has a number of other parts, but it tries to put forth this understanding that the confession of faith in the Melanite perspective as well as the Melanite world conference share convictions are foundational for who we are in the schools. I happen to believe strongly that it is that Anabaptist identity distinctive that is key for the Mennonite educational mission, because the reality is that there are many good 
higher education institutions in this country, and there's many good Christian higher education institutions in this country. But if we're going to be committed and put our energy and effort and support and send our money and students to schools, it is this Anabaptist distinctive that I think offers us something to share with the world that is worth sharing and it's worth putting our energy and effort. So I, we feel strongly that this Anabaptist distinctive is, is key for mm-hmm. the future of our schools. So the statement of arrangement then expects the colleges and universities and seminaries to fr- represent themselves as an Anabaptist institution as shaped by a, a, that distinctive tradition. And so that, as you suggest, can speak to a broader audience beyond Mennonites uh, and say what it is that these institutions have to offer. It also can speak back into the Mennonite church, right? And so I think about this question from the angle of, uh, say, a pastor in a congregation or uh, a parent in a congregation, thinking about how the colleges and universities relate to life in the congregation and wondering whether these colleges and universities, what, what, are they, what are they really offering? What do they stand for? What do they represent? And particularly thinking about, well, I'm going to encourage uh, our young people. I'm going to encourage my child to go off to one of these colleges. And I expect an authentic Christian formation. Uh, and I also expect that to happen within a distinctively Anabaptist tradition. And so question in my mind, sort of hypothetically in this thinking of from this perspective, how does this document then offer reassurance or confidence to me that that's something I can count on from the Mennonite colleges? A couple of ways. I, I think that not just the document, but the process that have led us to this document has included a significant amount of conversations and sometimes highly emotional conversations uh, around the table, but one thing has been very clear in that process, and that is that the church wants to have close, meaningful relationship with the colleges and seminaries, and that the colleges and seminaries also want to have a strong relationship with the church as well. So as we look at this, at this new relationship that we're proposing as we move forward, we don't see this as something static. You know, it's, 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 it's a living relationship that we're moving together with accountability from both sides. You know, the church has, has some accountability to the schools. The schools have accountability to the church. But one of my responses to what, to your comments and question too is that we hope that the churches and leaders and pastors and people in the pews are willing to engage the schools in conversations. I mean, we, we can only build strong relationships if we actually get to know each other and be able to have conversations with each other along the way, even when some of those conversations at times are hard conversations there. So we are hoping that this new way that we're moving forward, uh, focusing on a Baptist identity, with strong commitments, this whole document will be and actually is a public document. We want that, we want churches to be aware of what that relationship is. We want the schools, faculty and staff to be aware of what that relationship 
is. And we are hoping that this will provide a pathway to move forward that reflects today's context and and that this will be good for the next, hopefully, 20, 25 years. Uh, now, this proposal includes an issue that in five years, it will be reviewed to ask the question, is this serving us well or not? You know, and if it's not, then we bring about the changes to serve us well. But the underlying commitment of having a strong relationship and I hope strong communication between church and schools is one of the hope and one of the outcomes that we hope will come out of this process. Carlos, as, as you read that statement there that came from the new SOA, and I, I can't remember the quote, but it said that the, the schools that sign on to this commit for, for the Mennonite Confession of Faith to be a foundational and guiding document. Uh, so I wonder if the schools that, are, that MAA has declared in your press releases that are, are at variance with the Confession of Faith, have they signed on to that? And, and where is the, the tension in that? Yes. As I said, at this point, uh, four of the schools have boards, have adopted this, including EMU, including Goshen, and including Bluffton, uh, which would have been some of the schools that we would have, around the issue of the same-sex hiring policy, had talked about being at variance with the teaching position of the church, but having taken an action within the forbearance resolution that was adopted by the church as well that allowed them to move forward. I think that as, as we move forward, th- those conversations will continue. You know, sometimes I like to make or feel it's important to remind ourselves that a college and a seminary is not a congregation. So it, it works under certain contexts that are very different from a congregation. At the same time, that is not to say that the relationship is not important and that what the church statements and foundational documents are also important for our schools on how they work and move forward. Mm-hmm. Well, sure, our colleges are not congregations, but it's our congregations that largely support them. It's They also reflect to the world, really, uh, you know, what it means to be Mennonite. We already talked about that identity, that Anabaptist identity. And I don't know, maybe this is a repetition of Darren's question, but with this document, will the colleges that agree to this, will they basically be asked to do a internal audit of sorts to look at their people and structures and what they're teaching and not teaching to make sure it's you know it's in line with this well i meaning the overall policy not just one piece of it yeah yeah i'm I'm not quite sure that i would use the term you know that we would ask schools to uh to do an audit or of of that sort around some of these issues i the way that that i would i would see it the schools and the church are committing themselves to this relationship with this foundational documents and with this one statement of arrangement that tries to put forth a pathway on how that relationship should be. And I think that within that context, we will have conversations and hold each other accountable. In some ways, not much different than what we expect from conference and congregations, that we expect from people in the pew with their congregation. But also, I mean, I say that very aware that across our denomination, 
there's even significant diversity of opinions about what holding that accountability means. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, and, you know, it is quite different, perhaps, how we understand that in Ohio Conference to, let's say, Mountain States Conference out in the West or some of the other mm-hmm. of sure. the conferences. But the commitment to live together, to be accountable to each other, to create the type of structure that when we have concerns, we can talk to each other. I think it's there, and I think that that's key. And one of my personal observations has been that sometimes in our system, we have put a lot of energy, I say, talking at each other rather than talking to each other. Even when we have some very serious disagreements on how we even understand the confession of faith among our myths. And I want to say that from MEA and the church perspective, we are committing ourselves to walk with our colleges to develop that type of relationship with each other and to hold each other accountable as we move forward, understanding that each college is different, each college has a different history that has helped shape who they are, and that is an important thing to consider. But at the same time, our intent with this document and this proposal was to say, we understand the past, and and the past is important because it has helped us to shape who we are. But at the same time, we do not want to allow the past to dictate what the future should be but to serve as a basis as we try to move forward on on the best relationship. In thinking about our role, uh, I think I'm looking over here at Bill, and thinking about our role uh, as this voice committee for Ohio Mennonite Conference, which includes trying to facilitate communication and conversation between folks within our conference and uh, leaders throughout the denomination and so on and institutions in the denomination. And so I see, sort of thinking about it from that role, that this document then will become a basis for having those kinds of conversations with higher education institutions. As a starting point, if this is part of the agreement, the arrangement you have with the the colleges have with the church, and we want to have a conversation with them around these kinds of questions or whatever, then this would be a starting point and that uh, folks could expect that the colleges will understand themselves as having a kind of accountability through the statement of arrangements and as a, as a place to begin that conversation. I think that's, that's accurate. This, this is a public document, so I... It's a public document now? It is. So we I, could attach it to our podcast? Uh, you can. I, Maybe stick it in a PDF first yes, instead of a Word file? Yes, yeah. you can. I, okay. I encourage you to, to share this document with with your congregations as a way of congregations be, being aware of of what the relationship is or is being foreseen to to be. We're still in this process of approval, but this calls for the new SOA to become effective July one. Okay. Uh, so it's just a couple months from now, and I expect that coming July one, we'll have all the schools ready to sign up with the new SOA to govern this relationship. Yeah, so I, I encourage you to do that. Uh, we're hoping, I'm, I'm hoping that in the midst of so many challenges and difficulties that we have in our denomination, 
I I hope that this is something fresh that it 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 begins to offer a new beginning on how to govern that relationship. I'm aware of the tensions that have been there, of the frustrations of the past, of the disagreements with some of the actions that the schools have taken uh, in the last number of years. I mean, I'm not trying to say none of that is important. Of course, it is important because it's, it's part of the history. But at the same time, I'm wanting to encourage both the schools and our church, our conferences, our congregations, to see this as a new opportunity to begin something new with a strong commitment of working and supporting each other, a strong commitment to have effective communication with each other that hopefully will, at the end, help to strengthen the schools. The schools need a strong church. I believe that's key if they're going to maintain a strong Anabaptist identity. And at the same time, I believe that our church also needs strong schools. A significant amount of our leadership across the denomination have come from our schools, and, and they offer that. So that's my hope and my prayer for the church and the schools as we're trying to move forward. Thank you, Carlos, for, for meeting us here in Elida. It's nice to meet you in person. Thank you, Darren and Bill, for the work that you've done, as well as Aaron on the Voice Committee. So glad to have this conversation. Thank you, Ann and Norm, for all your work behind the scenes. And this is Ohio Conference Cast signing off. Thanks for listening to the Ohio Conference Cast. We would like to hear from you. You can email us at ohioconferencecast at gmail.com with any topics or questions you would like us to explore. 